Welcome to the Paranormal Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Thanks for stopping by. This is the place to explore mysteries, investigate the otherworldly, and share stories of the inexplicable and the strange. You see, within the realm of our daily, ordinary lives, there is a paranormal factor always waiting to reveal itself. So let's begin exploring together the truly weird. That was a short sample of the song Small Town Friday by Bill Curd off his new album. Bill also happens to be a gifted medium, and he's the subject of this episode of the podcast. This is the first interview for the podcast, and we're pleased Bill can join us to end our first season. We'll get to that interview in just a moment. Wrapping up this first season, I'm very grateful to all of you, our audience. You've taken out time to give us a listen. It's been an exciting first year, and I am definitely ready to explore new cases and investigate new paranormal subjects in our next season. And never fear, we will be diving right back into that season next week. There's no rest for the Paranormal Factor podcast. Here's wishing all of you a happy new year. Now, let's get to the interview. All right, listeners, uh, we have with us today, Mr. Bill Curd. Welcome, Bill. Hi, Rich. Thank and, you. And you know, you're a first, Bill. You're the first interview we've had on the uh, Paranormal Factor podcast. Well, I'm honored. That's <laughs> fantastic. That's great. And um, listen, we're going to get into all things about mediums and spirits and things. But before we do that, I did want to let the listeners know that in addition to being a medium, Bill is also a fantastic musician, songwriter, and performer who has recently released a new album. We, we heard, Bill, just a short clip of one of my favorites off the album, Small Town Friday, uh, just prior to, to starting the interview here. Could you tell the folks a little bit about the, the new album? Well, the new album is my fourth and uh, I'm actually really proud of it. Uh, I, I used to do a lot of pop rock. In fact, I've had three Grammy considerations for the pop rock that I used to do under a, a different project called Ghost of Winter. And I, I felt that I wasn't getting the mileage out of that that mm-hmm. I, I should have. So I, I had to reinvent myself and go to a, a little bit of a more edgier sound. And uh, the result was the, the new uh, Two Steps Forward album. Uh, it's doing well. Um, I haven't actually released it for streaming yet. Um, I, I did uh, hard copies um, and they sold out. So we'll see. Uh, I'm happy with it. Uh, it's, it's what I do and I'm not doing paranormal or, or not having 
dinner or watching TV with the wife. So, right. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, there's a just a fantastic cover of the Cranberry song "Zombie," which uh, I really like too. I thought you did a great job on that. Thank you. I, uh, I, it's something. Uh, probably about six, seven months ago, I, I, I was bored. You know, I, I was in my recording studio, and I thought, ah, you know, I'm going to play this song for a while, and. It, I had so many ideas for it that I rolled with it and it came out so good that I, I got a hold of uh, a company that licenses and uh, I licensed it and I paid the cranberries royalty money out front for the licensed copies, uh, amount of copies that I wanted to sell hard copies. I have not paid them for streaming yet, but I will because it, it just came out far beyond my expectations and i've heard several versions miley cyrus did a version uh there's mm -hmm. a band out there right now that has a version out and mine stands up i think so right there so yeah i i think so too and, and, and thank you very much for mentioning it i appreciate it yeah and listeners i'll get a, a link that we'll put in the resource portion of the show notes where you can go out and hear some samples from the from the album if you are so inclined so with that, let's dive into the, uh, the topic du jour here, and that is in the area of mediums and spirits. And I, I want to start with this, Bill. What is a medium? And, and I guess, too, do you identify, self-identify as a medium? I do. I do self-identify. There, there are several types of categories of mediums, but basically mediums communicate with, with those who have passed. There are, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go through the levels. Uh, I happen to be a, a clairsentient and a clairaudient. Clairsentient, they, we, we go by feel. In other words, when I connect with a spirit, I'm able to feel what they went through when they passed. They give me that feeling. The other that I, I'm clairaudient and a clairaudient works off of sound or off of audio, I get them to, and, and, and it's interesting as a clairaudient, I get a voice that probably will pass by my ear and like I'll get an F and an R and a K. So it's up to me to determine if that is a Frank or a Francis or Francisco or uh, it's up to me to determine that. It, it's not always exact, but it's there. And they tell me. Then, then there are your uh, clairvoyants, for example. Clairvoyants work by sight. Uh, there are full-blown psychics. They work off of, of, of everything. They, they, they encompass, and, and I wish I was, but I'm not a full-blown psychic, but they encompass everything. They work off the energy of you. They can tell you, Rich, what kind of socks you're going to wear tomorrow or what kind you wore yesterday without knowing. They encompass everything. And then there are channelers. The channelers work off of the energy and they allow a spirit to use their, it's not a possession, but they allow a spirit to use their voice. And, it, and, and that's very, to me, that's very taxing. I mean, as a, a clairsentient and a clairaudient, just the contact that I get and 
the amount of work that I have to do with the spirit, it's, it's very taxing and it takes all of my energy. In fact, it takes me hours to recover from a session like that. But, but basically, clairsentient, clairvoyant, a clairaudient, channelers, and psychics are the, the main uh, categories or yeah, types, so I guess. Categories, yeah. And, and they all have their own uniqueness. And we, I don't claim to be any of the others, and the others don't claim to be any of what I do. And we all, we all just do what we can to help people. But that's basically what a medium is. We communicate with those who have passed. Well, that's a, I, I appreciate the descriptions because if you go back to the, uh, the mid and late 1800s, even early 1900s, right? The mediums at that time, of course, involved with spiritualism that was, that was very big in the U.S. And, and especially in the U.K., they were the superstars, you know, sort of of the day. And there's sometimes there's this perception of, oh, a medium is, is, you know, sitting at a, at a seance table and holding hands or looking at a crystal ball or something. So I think it's really helpful for folks to understand that there's these different types that are all very valid and special in their own way. Yeah. And Um, and we don't sit around. I mean, there are some, (laughs) but as a rule, we don't sit around a table and hold hands like they should want to do stuff like that. Yeah. When did you know that you had special talents in this area? Well, you know, I asked myself that. When do you actually really know? I, uh, I would always notice that things were happening around me. Did I know that I had a, a gift or a blessing to, to recognize that? Or were they just happening? When do you really know? Do I go back a few years to where I actually accepted what was coming at me? and decided I was going to deal with it. And if I had a voice in my, in, across my ear or a tap on my shoulder, did I actually really, was I in denial or did I actually really realize or did I actually recognize it as for what it really was? And there came a point maybe five, six years ago, maybe seven years ago that I decided maybe this is real and mm-hmm. I need to tap into it. And I decided at that point that it was real and I needed to go with it. And everybody has this ability, Rich. You do. Uh, The guy across the street does. It's when do you decide that you want to enhance or go with that ability? And probably five, six, seven years ago, I would say I, I noticed that I had this and I got rid of the denial. And, and I said, okay, I'm going to run with this because it, it, it can't be, it has to be real. And from that point forward, uh, I've been able to do what I, it, it's an acceptance. You have to accept what's right. happening. I, I would think at some point too, there's some kind of a uh, realization that, hey, this isn't just a coincidence that this keeps happening to me. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it wasn't. And, and uh, when, I, when I realized that exactly what you said, it's not a coincidence. This is really happening okay, it's time for me to accept it and roll with it. And I did. Uh, I got involved with Houston ghost research uh, when I moved out here to to Texas from California. And I was able to uh, sit with them and and they gave me a very in-depth interview. Who are you? What are you? What do you feel? How do you see? And as I joined them and progressed and the other mediums in that group 
realize that I actually had it. They helped me to enhance it and roll with it and become what I am today. And, and I'm no Teresa Caputo, but I'm, I'm, I'm capable, very capable. And I'm very happy with that because it doesn't bother me anymore like it did before I started this journey. I, you know, I wanted to broach this subject with you too. The listeners, uh, just like myself, know that there's probably about a gazillion ghost shows out there on television. Of course, <laughs> it seems like the Travel Channel is no longer the channel. You know, they don't do any traveling except to ghost locations. I've actually um, been on one of them. So. Okay, and they're they're entertaining, but at the same time, uh, you have these shows, Ghost Hunters, this Ghost Hunters, that. What are the main differences between what we see on TV shows and what actually happens in the field? And I know that you personally don't care for that term ghost hunters as well, but what is the, uh, what's the main difference between what we're watching on television uh, that often gets hyped because you've got to get viewers, right? And what actually, what actually is going on in the field? Well, I will say from the outset that I am, I'll be the first person to say that what you see on television on those shows i'll be the first person to say that the first person to deny that it's real i cannot tell you that it's not real but i will be one of the people that say it takes hours and hours and days and days to get those kinds of reactions that they get to show on tv are they real i don't know are they baked i don't know but i do know for a fact that It doesn't happen when you walk in the door like they show you. Obviously, they have to abbreviate it. They have 45 commercials. They have 45 minutes to show you what happened on that investigation. Yes, those things happen. Does it happen immediately? No. I mean, it takes days and days to get those kinds of of, of reactions. Now, I do not like the term ghost hunters. Um, and, And there are people out there... There are people out there who just like to go hunt ghosts. I don't do that because I know the spirits are there. I know they exist. I don't have to hunt them. And in the word hunting, to it's me, almost demeaning, isn't it? It is. It depicts to me that you're going to go out like you're hunting deer or you're right. hunting quail. You're going out and you're intimidating somebody so that you can prove they're there or people forget that most entities unless they're demonic and there are plenty of those but unless they're demonic most entities came out of a human body they came out of what i call a meat sack the meat sack passed away the spirit even jesus christ said those who believe in me shall never die he didn't mean your body's not going to die he meant your spirit is going to go on and on and on to whatever duty or task you're assigned so when this body dies the spirit goes but people forget that that spirit that left the body still has feelings still has intelligence still gets angry still gets happy that's why the term ghost hunters and the fact that people hunt ghosts it doesn't sit well with me they're they were people i mean they're you're a person that you're in a meat you're a spirit in a meat sack you're a sp- i'm a spirit in a body when the body gives out i'm gonna go somewhere you're gonna go somewhere you're still gonna have the same feelings 
that you had when you were in your body. And and I don't agree with intimidation. I don't agree with with treatment that I see some ghost hunters, quote unquote. Just to get a rise, oh, uh, try yeah. to get a rise, right? Yeah. Out of a spirit yeah. or, or- I, I have yeah. a big problem with that. Um, yeah. and, and I disagree with it, so. You did mention um, one of the paranormal groups that you made contact with. And I wanted to ask, I know you've worked with various groups as well as independently, but when you're with a group, with a paranormal group, what is generally your role and the actions that you perform when you're with that group? Well, with Houston Ghost Research, it's where I got my enhancement, where they brought it out of me. I was <clears throat> basically a remote viewer. I would receive, they get a case. I would receive photos from that case. Uh, Louisiana, for example, a family in Louisiana thought, their home was haunted. So Houston Ghost Research had them sign it, uh, some paperwork. And then to the three mediums in the group, they sent us photographs. I would sit on my couch and put my energy, I'd look at the pictures and I'd put my, and it's called remote viewing, put my energy into those pictures and into those homes. And my, my task was to find out what I could find, what spirit is it, what entities are in there, what are their their goals, what what why are they there, have they been there forever, did they come in through a hitchhike, uh, we'll get into that later, mm -hmm. uh, did they come with the property, uh, so on and so forth. That was my main function with Houston Ghost Research. Now, with Woodlands Paranormal here in Houston, in the Houston area, Woodlands. I was actually a medium that they called on when they needed a medium. I would go with them and I would make contact with whatever entity happened to be as a location. And albeit sometimes there were none. We're like conditioned by these TV shows, right? That, yeah. that every time you walk in, there's going to be entities. And, and yeah. it's interesting to hear you say that's not the case. You know, there's energy in every home. There's energy everywhere. We can, I can, I teach people on the side, I teach people how to see that energy, uh, but there's energy in every home. Is that energy spiritual or is it just energy that happens to be in the home? There are many times that I've done investigations, remote investigations, where there's been absolutely nothing that I could find except for energy in the home, not a spiritual spiritual type energy that was inhabiting the home just plain energy and then there are times when there was actually entities or there were actually entities in the home i have as a rule the first place i look when i get photos and i request photos of every part of the house outside inside attic basement the first thing i do is when i do a remote view is i put myself in the attic because that's the warmest part of the home and normally that is where the most emf is going to be and spirits work off of energy they need the energy so that's where the most emf is going to be so i go to the attic first literally rich i have been bum rushed punched in the face punched in the nose by entities um pushed shoved and and they're not 
those are the not friendly and there are entities that are friendly but the uh, the ones who weren't i had those things happen to me and you have to have thick skin you can't be afraid and yes there's energy everywhere uh i can teach people how to see it and i can teach people how to see a disturbance in that energy which tells them or gives them an indication that there is actually something in the house that's moving that energy around there's energy everywhere every home has energy okay let, let me ask you this and it kind of goes back to your comments around sometimes you go in and there and there's just nothing there how many hauntings are real and how many are simply misinterpretations of sounds or environment or, or things like that and it may be arbitrary to put a percentage on it but to make it maybe easier to understand what percentage i guess we could say of your experiences really are there's something there there's a spirit involved well well, well let's not put it in percentage aspects let's say that well, well we could say percentage if i deal with 10 clients who think their homes are haunted or who think there's activity in their homes either i go there personally if it's in the area or i do a remote view there are some and i'm not going to do a percentage uh, but there are some who plain just have energy in their homes there's no entity there's no disturbance there's no per se ghosts in their home do i tell them that no um i don't lie to them but what i want them to do is if they and the, and at the moment that i'm in the home or the moment that i'm remote viewing there may be nothing going on and and so i interpret i don't interpret that there's nothing there so what i tell them is that at the time i found nothing but mm -hmm. i'm going to give you the tools for when it does happen again to reclaim your space and hopefully cleanse or get rid of what you think is there does this happen a lot if i were to, to put a percentage i would say six out of ten i enable them to claim their property or their their space back when i felt nothing in their in my investigation the the other four or 40 percent i guess we're going to put percentages the other four are definitely a challenge and they're real when i do the investigation it's there they show themselves to me they let me hear them i don't see them but they let me hear them i feel them and i know they're there and then it there's more of a challenge there but if and i'll say this to the listeners if you're listening to your home and you hear a creak a knock shuffling it's up to you to to determine what you hear however if you truly feel that your home is haunted there are tools out there to help you reclaim that space without calling a medium some mediums will charge you money i don't i, I don't believe in it it's a gift that god gave me I, I won't charge people but without having to call a medium there are tools that you can use to determine whether what you're hearing in your home is spiritual energy or just your home creaking and it's pretty much down to that uh, yeah some discernment involved then yeah is really exactly. what we're getting at right exactly 
Let me ask you this, Bill. Have you had an extensive case that you've worked by that? I mean, maybe something where you had to go back two, three, four, or five times um, because mm-hmm. there, there was you know, really something going on there. Very, very extensive case. Another medium friend of mine, a local medium here in the Houston area, Lori, Lori Nelson, uh, I, I put her, she does mostly medical readings, but I put her right up there with Teresa Caputo. She had taken a break and had no time. She called me up and said, look, I need you to take a case. I don't know what's going on, but they need help. So I took the case and these folks had all kinds of problems going on in their house, but it was mainly with him, not the wife. Through further investigation, I found out that he had an attachment. Now, attachments are totally different than a possession. A possession, you need to call a priest or somebody with a, a higher connection to God or Jesus Christ or, or, or Archangel Michael. You need to, to have a, a better connection with somebody like that to take care of a possession. I can do attachments. And this happened to be an attachment to where this spirit, and as, as I doused, I do dousing a lot. I use dousing as a tool. As I doused, I found I was a female. And I asked her, will you leave this man? And, and she go backwards. An attachment is a spirit that hangs, that kind of hangs out around you and sucks up the energy that you have uh, around you, sucks it up and makes you feel terrible makes you feel dead, listless, absolutely useless. And that's what was happening to this gentleman. I doused her. I found out it was a woman. And I asked her if she would leave if I helped her. And she said, yes. But it took me four months to get her to leave this person alone. I would give this person all the tools that I possibly had in my arsenal to use himself to fight her and then i would go in myself and fight her and uh, i finally got her to leave i say about four months but it was the toughest thing i've ever done it took so much energy out of my body to get her to finally leave and and so much energy out of my body just to connect with her to find out why she wouldn't leave and the reason that she wouldn't leave was she, she was afraid that if she traveled onward, she wouldn't be able to find the energy from anybody else that she could get from him. Now, as it turns out, he happened to be an alcoholic, so he was very vulnerable. She was able to attach to him because he was vulnerable, and she sucked him dry. Uh, I, 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 can't, I can't even describe to the extent how she dried him out. Now, when I finally got her to leave him, he's fine now. He went to rehab, he he dissed the alcoholism, and he will tell everybody that comes in contact with him that I saved his life. And I truly did, but it took me four months to do it. And it took took everything out of me. I have gone into homes that, that it took me a day or two days or three days, but this took me four months. Wow, that's really that's really something. Yeah, I'm, I'm you go back to to the the Travel Channel episode uh, that I was on. He is one of the focuses. It, it was him 
uh, and if you look up the travel channel episode it it was him i'm not going to say his name here but he was the one and if if you see that episode you'll see uh what happened with him following up on on that question though i i did want to ask you sort of in the same vein has there been a case where you went in and due to whatever was going on you were genuinely frightened when i started with houston ghost research i was kind of a maverick in fact they'll tell you i would go into a home physically or remotely and go gung-ho and i would literally have no hesitation and Mm -hmm. i would be beaten up pushed crushed so uh, I never, I've never been afraid to go into something. I, uh, no, to answer your question, no, I've, I've never been afraid. <laughs> uh, uh, let's get to the short of it. I've never been afraid uh, uh, because I know that they cannot hurt me. They can punch me. They can push me. They can make my nose bleed, but they can't really hurt me as hard as they'll try. And yeah. uh, I'm not afraid. Uh, there are people who are hesitant, uh, other mediums who are hesitant. I don't hesitate. I'll jump right in. And if you have a problem and it, it feels like it might be physical to you, I'll go right in. I'm not afraid of the challenge and I'm not afraid of what might happen to me physically because they know they cannot hurt me because I tell them when I go in, you can't hurt me. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're not going to hurt me. You can't hurt me. You can't scare me. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to win. And that's the attitude I take. Is there, if somebody suspects that that perhaps there are spirits or a spirit in their home, is there anything that they should absolutely not do? Yeah, don't antagonize. Don't intimidate. Don't yell. Don't scream. Don't threaten. And, as, and this goes back to what I said earlier, because they were, they were, unless it's demonic, they were an actual person, or they were a spirit that was in a body. So they have feelings, they get angry, they get hurt, they get upset. The best thing you can do, or the worst thing you can do is intimidate, threaten, those kinds of things. The best thing you can do is to accept that they're there and say, look, I know you're here. I feel you, I hear you, I see what you do. I don't want you here. So from that position, you would invoke what I call spiritual law. There is a law that every spirit has to adhere to. It's an unwritten law. They know it. And and that law is, look, I know you're here. And I know you're causing me problems. And I know that spiritual law dictates to you that if I physically ask you to leave me alone and leave this place, that you are obligated to do so, whether you want to or not. You need to follow this spiritual law. They don't follow it immediately. But if you keep invoking spiritual law and then you you let them know that that you know somebody, for example, myself, who has a, a personal relationship with Archangel Michael, 
and that we can work with Archangel Michael to help you leave, not to kick you out. We can work with Archangel Michael to help you leave. I will do that, but I would prefer that you leave on your own. I know it sounds corny, and and, and I know it sounds far-fetched, but... It's almost like I, I'm asking you, you've caused some trouble here in the club. I'm asking you to leave. Exactly. And, and if you won't leave on your own, then I'll get the bouncer over here to right. go ahead and walk you out. And, and, and I have had to call on Archangel Michael very often. Uh, I, I know it sounds funny to some listeners, but, but I have a personal relationship with the Archangel Michael. If I need him and I call on him, he's there. He opens that portal and helps me bring them out. And I, I cannot tell you how many times that, that he's been there to help. He's a spirit, just like he's an angel. Uh, we know we'll get into that later, but we know that humans cannot be angels. So he's an angel that I call on often. And that is the one main thing you can do is, is don't intimidate, don't threaten, just work with the spirit and say, look, here's spiritual law. You're speeding. You should slow down. You ran a red light, yeah, that kind of stuff. Those kinds of things go a lot further with a spirit than the threats and the intimidation. And the, believe me, I would think that if you were doing that kind of activity, then it's almost like you're responsible for what you're going to bring out of that because you can get somebody now, a spirit that maybe wasn't necessarily angry, but now they get angry. You're directly responsible for what happens to you with that spirit in your home. It, it's up to you how you handle it. If you're going to handle it uh, diplomatically, let's use the word politically, they're going to react a lot better than if you handle it with, with threats and intimidation. And I've, I've done both. I've learned my lesson in the old days, and it doesn't work. Respect, acknowledgement, it works. We've heard cases of people experiencing something following them home right yes. whether whether they're on a ghost tour or maybe they're they go to a cemetery and and something not by anything that they've done or desired follows them home yeah. how do you keep something like that from happening in the first place well most people go into these things not knowing the repercussions of what they do when I, in fact, for the, uh, the Travel Channel episode, when before we, I took, they had me take four people into a cemetery late at night, and I knew what was going to happen. So before I took them in there, what, what I do is, is I have a prayer. I appeal to unascended masters working for the light below, above, beyond, and I thank them for what they've done and for what they will do. And I ask them for their blessings and I ask them for protection. And you need to let the spirits, for example, you go into the cemetery, you need to let them know you are not allowed to follow me out. And this is why I said this prayer. I have the protection of Archangel Michael. But I would suggest, I have a book that I read and I, I refer to it and I refer people to it all the time. It's called Protected by the Light. 
by Bruce Goldberg. I happen to have a signed copy from him. If you want protection when you're going, and you need to have protection, I personally use what is called a griffin. Uh, some people put a dome. Some people, some mediums use a dome. Some They use different things. I use a griffin, a big, large, dragon-like griffin who I imagine that he's over my shoulder protecting me. And I never have a problem. But the book Protected by the Light gives you the knowledge of how to protect yourself when you're dealing with the spiritual world because they're not always kind they're not i mean i can deal with them on a one-on-one -on -one basis and and i don't get bad results and i don't get they they end up not being mean because i can communicate the right way but they're not always kind to somebody who just walks in and you need to have that protection so I always recommend that book, and I'm not trying to sell a book to anybody, but Protected by the Light by Bruce Goldberg is the best. And it will also explain to you the different, different types of spirits that inhabit the space you live in every day. And it also explains to you how to use energy from the ground up for your chakra and stuff like that. I, I don't practice that but I do use the energy that I can pull out of the ground from my feet and through my head and through my body to open portals for spirits to leave. But the book is fantastic. And, and anybody who wants to protect themselves or are worried about what might happen to them with a follow home or something that might happen to them in their own home or where they're going to should read this book. Awesome. You can get it like $3 a used, used copy on Amazon. I mean, uh, I would highly recommend that book. I, I, it's, it's my Bible uh, for protection. Very nice. Thank you for that. And I'm sure the listeners appreciate it as well. Okay, Bill. So final question here. If there's anybody listening, uh, well, hopefully everybody's listening, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if we have anybody listening who wants to really explore their talents maybe in this area either they're interested in it or maybe they actually already are experiencing some inklings of this and they want to explore that how do they do that you know what is your advice to them there are are, are several things but i'll start first by by saying that if you go to youtube there is uh what is called it's a, it's called a holographic universe workshop take it take every lesson i think it's it's uh five or six lessons take it because what you're going to learn is that we are basically we are data on a circuit board and it, it teaches you multiverse theory but we're we're all tiny bits of data on a circuit board and above us is another circuit board and above and above and above and those are those are universes multiverse multiverses so what you need to find out, what you need to do is, is we have a veil around us that doesn't let us see the next universe. And of course, people in their 70s or 80s, the veil thins and they begin to see things. But to enhance yourself, to be able to see through that veil, you need to understand that there are other universes right around you. And you need to be able to learn how to see into them. That's why I, I highly recommend, uh, it's called the Holographic Universe Workshop. It will teach you about 
those different universes and how and teach you to learn how to see into them, how to see through that curtain, that little little crack in a curtain. They can see you, but you can't see them through the curtain, or you can't hear them through the curtain, or you can't feel them through the curtain. So the holographic universe workshop helped me to develop even stronger abilities than I, I knew I already had. And it helped me to get through that veil to the other circuit board, whether it's above me, ahead of me, behind me, beside me, I can see now through that veil. And as I travel every day when I drive or walk, I, as a result of all that, which helps me see, hear, and feel, I am in a movie theater. I'm at the very back of the movie theater, looking at me from behind and watching myself drive and watching myself walk and watching myself interact. And I can see what's coming in and going on around me spiritually, which helps me. So the holographic universe workshop is the first, very first step you should take if you want to enhance your abilities. The others are protected by the light to understand different types of spirits, get to understand what an angel is, what a spirit guide is, how to connect with those spirit guides, how to connect with those angels. It's all in that book. Those are our two first steps. The others are possibly work with a, a local medium to uh, learn and enhance and have them help you enhance uh, your abilities or, or exercises that we do as mediums that, that help us on a daily basis. I would start with Holographic Universe uh, Workshop and possibly the book that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, two, two great first steps. Reading into some of the things you've said during, during this interview, it's almost like Luke Skywalker. He needed to go through training. He needed to get to a point before he walked in, walked up on on Darth Vader. And, exactly. I, and the same thing here. I, it's one thing to volunteer for, for a uh, paranormal group that does investigations, and you can have different roles in that, right? You can be working equipment, you can be doing different things. But if you're going down this path, I think, you know, what I'm hearing from you is prepare yourself, yeah, get some absolutely. growth and be prepared before you put yourself in a situation. And, and, and that, that is the other thing for the listeners. You have, you already have it. Everybody has it. Your, your pineal gland, which is your third eye, everybody has it. Everybody has the ability. What you do with it and, and how you work to enhance it or increase it or improve it, it's up to you. But be careful. And, uh, and that, that I tell people all the, all the time, be careful. You have the ability. You can do it. Anybody can do it. Be careful. If you were going to say to me, Bill, what's your final word? You have the ability. Be careful. You can do this. Seek somebody professional that might be able to help you or mentor you. All right. I, and I think we'll leave it at, at, with those words. Be careful. I think that's sage advice. Bill Kurt, thank you so much. This oh, has been Rich. a great discussion, very enlightening. I know the listeners are going to love it, and uh, we really appreciate you making time. Uh, for me, it was an honor and a pleasure, and, and to the listeners, there are mediums all over the place, and I would not say that one is less capable than the other, but 
as we discussed at the beginning, there's levels or different types. Decide which one you want to be and, and make it happen. So. Awesome. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Rich, very much. Take care. Thanks to Bill Kurd for coming on the podcast and sharing with us his experiences as a medium. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Once again, some of the information that Bill imparted during the interview will be in the resources section of the show notes. And now it's time for the episode quiz. Well, if you went out to the Facebook page, and I hope you have, one last pitch for this year to go out to our Facebook page. You can find it by searching on Facebook for The Paranormal Factor Podcast. And I I just know you're going to love it. We've got so much content out there. Every Monday, we do a Monster Monday and highlight some monster. Uh, Tuesdays are the quiz. We're going to get to that in a moment. And we always give you the answer in the episode for the week. And Wednesdays, we do a paranormal film or book. Thursdays, we try to give you some recent paranormal news, some information that's current out there in the world. So let's get to this week's quiz. How did the term flying saucers come about? Was it A, an irate customer threw a cup and saucer at an Oregon diner, B, a pilot saw objects flying like skipping saucers in the sky. C, it was originally flying sausages but was mispronounced. Or D, Project Blue Book coined the term. So, again, how did the term flying saucers come about? Was it an irate customer throwing a cup and saucer at an Oregon diner? A pilot seeing objects flying like skipping saucers in the sky? It was originally flying sausages, but was mispronounced, or was it Project Blue Book that coined that term? And the answer is... B. A pilot saw objects flying like skipping saucers in the sky. Pilot Kenneth Arnold launched the term, though it was used incorrectly by the press to describe what he saw. On June the 24th, 1947, pilot Kenneth Arnold was flying to Yakima, Washington in a Cal Air A-2 on a business trip. The skies were completely clear, and there was a mild wind. A few minutes before 3 p.m., at about 9,200 feet in altitude and near Mineral, Washington, he saw a bright flashing light similar to sunlight reflecting from a mirror. Afraid he might be dangerously close to another aircraft, Arnold scanned the skies around him, but all he could see was a DC-4 to his left and behind him, about 15 miles away. About 30 seconds after seeing the first flash of light, Arnold saw a series of bright flashes in the distance off to his left, or north of Mount Rainier, which was then from 20 to 25 miles away. He thought they might be reflections on his airplane's windows, But a few quick tests, rocking his airplane from side to side, removing his eyeglasses, later rolling down his side window, ruled that out. The reflections came from flying objects. They flew in a long chain, and Arnold for a moment considered that they might be a flock of geese, but quickly ruled this out for a number of reasons, including the altitude, the bright glint, and obviously very fast speed. 
He then thought they might be a new type of jet and started looking intently for a tail and was surprised that he couldn't find any. They quickly approached Rainier and then passed in front, usually appearing dark in profile against the bright white snowfield covering Rainier, but occasionally still giving off bright light flashes as they flipped around erratically. Sometimes he said he could see them on edge, when they seemed so thin and flat they were practically invisible. Arnold described them as a series of objects with convex shapes, though he later revealed that one object differed by being crescent-shaped. Several years later, Arnold would state he likened their movement to saucers skipping on water, without comparing their actual shapes to saucers. It was when Arnold tried to describe this motion of the objects to a reporter for the United Press that the mix-up occurred. He said they flew like a saucer if you skip it across the water. The reporter took this to mean that the objects themselves were saucer-like, and news reports across the country repeated that Arnold had seen flying saucers. Suddenly, everyone was seeing what Arnold had seen, except that he hadn't. Per Time magazine, by July 4th, newspapers were heralding literally hundreds of reports of flying saucers in skies across the nation. But while Arnold didn't say he'd seen saucers, he did believe he'd seen something otherworldly. He'd calculated the speed of the flying objects at more than 1,200 miles per hour, nearly twice the speed of sound, at a time when planes had not cracked the sound barrier. He couldn't come up with an explanation other than the extraterrestrial, since the flying pattern of the objects was too erratic for planes and too fast for almost anything else. Well, in our first episode of Season 2 of the Paranormal Factor podcast, we'll be searching for the legendary Felk monster. He was made famous by the 1970s film The Legend of Boggy Creek. It's a truly compelling case for an actual cryptid in the heart of Arkansas. Lots of frightening encounters with this one, folks. So please join us next week to help us start our second season of the Paranormal Factor podcast. Well, that'll do it for this episode. A theme song is Knockers by Cinco courtesy of Upbeat Music. Hey, before you leave, if you could, please do me just two favors. First of all, if you did enjoy the show, please leave a like on your favorite listening application. And secondly, if you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Love to have some new listeners out there to join you. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Keep your eyes open for the unusual folks, and thanks for stopping by.